president is running for re-election on the bold platform of Statue Lives Matter. Uber just put in a $2.65 billion bid to buy the Postmates delivery app. And drug overdoses are spiking across the country as the coronavirus pandemic continues. We've got the Washington Post's William Wan with us to explain why. The date, July 6, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Happy fireworks season is kind of sort of hopefully over, Casey. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say your first half of that. I was like, I don't know. I heard some last night. <laughs> okay, so I feel like at this point, they've got to be sold out, right? Like all the fireworks <laughs> vendors have to be just like... Flush out, guys. I'm done. I am out of these illegal gunpowder tubes now. Well, hopefully, because so many were used in L.A. that our air quality yesterday was so bad that people were told not to go outside and to close their windows. I mean, on the positive side, I saw videos that were really pretty driving along the highway. It did look very pretty. I, I, that's a good big yay for the day. Uh, big not so much yay is yay saying he's running for president. Kanye, what are you doing? I know. I like don't even want to talk about this because it's you like... You know what? It's our podcast. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about this, Casey. In fact, I regret bringing it up and we're done now. We're done talking Perfect. about Kanye Love West it. for president. Okay, it's time for today's top stories. Here are three headlines you should know about. One. Things are looking a lot like March out there as coronavirus cases continue to spike throughout the United States and hospitals begin to worry about running out of beds. Every day seems to bring a new record number of cases somewhere in the U.S. Florida reported more than 11,000 new cases on Saturday and California recorded more than 11,700 cases on Sunday, making it the highest single day count so far of any state in the country. And in Texas, Saturday saw another 8,000 confirmed cases added to their total. Things are particularly dire in the Houston area, where the mayor warned yesterday that hospitals could be over capacity two weeks from now. Already, ICU beds are filling up fast, and over 25% of coronavirus tests taken are coming back positive. Meanwhile, highlighting how much we still don't know about the virus, over 200 scientists have signed a letter to the World Health Organization warning that the coronavirus can be contracted via airborne particles. The WHO says there's not enough evidence for that yet, but if these scientists are right, it'd be huge in terms of what's necessary to stop the spread of COVID-19. Two, President Trump's weekend was spent putting the culture wars front and center in his re-election campaign. The president traveled to Mount Rushmore on Friday to deliver a speech that was divisive, to say the least, warning of the angry mobs who tear down statues and the supposed threat of the far left to the American way of life. Those who seek to erase our heritage want Americans to forget our pride and our great dignity so that we can no longer understand ourselves or America's destiny. In toppling the heroes of 1776, They seek to dissolve the bonds of love and loyalty that we feel for our country and that we feel for each other. Their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. Trump followed that performance up with another speech at the White House on the 4th of July, again telling his audience to be very, very afraid of the way that his opponents want to, quote, lie about the past in order to gain power in the present. 
You can expect a lot more of this in the upcoming months as the president tries to rally his base for the general election with an appeal to white America. But as he's doing so, he's swimming against public opinion. 44% of people polled by the New York Times recently had a favorable opinion of the Black Lives Matter movement. Contrast that with President Trump, who has a 38% approval rating in a Gallup poll out today. And three, a Black Lives Matter protester was killed in Seattle on Saturday when a car drove into the closed-off freeway where they were demonstrating. Summer Taylor was attending the march along Seattle's I-5 freeway late Friday night when a car plowed through the crowd, hitting them and another victim named Diaz Love. Taylor, who was 24, was later pronounced dead at the hospital where they were taken for treatment. Police had closed off the section of the freeway where the march was taking place and are now investigating how the driver got past the blockade and what motive they may have had. It's the latest in a string of incidents where drivers have used their cars to attack anti-police brutality protesters. This time last month, BuzzFeed News had already documented 17 such cases in just the first week of protests after Minneapolis police killed George Floyd. Also, I just want to bring this up for people who are like, wait, are there still protests going on? Yes, there are still many, many protests going on around the country, even though the news coverage might be diminishing. Right. And we, as the news, are doing our best to highlight those protests still. But as you all know, a lot is happening right now. Uh, Speaking of, though, the way that the president has tried the ongoing protests into his new push of we got to defend all statues, no matter what, build as many new statues as we can. It's really incredible, given how this fight all began over specifically Confederate statues, statues built in honor of members of the Confederacy. And somehow, how the president has spun that into, well, they're going to take down literally every statue, every one of them in the country. If it's made of marble, it will be destroyed. Yes, Hayes, I hate all statues. I'm going to people's front yards and knocking them all down. <laughs> gnomes, especially gnomes. Fuck those guys. Get them out of here. Okay, Casey, what's new in your part of the internet? Well, the theater world is reeling today with the news that Broadway star Nick Cordero died of complications from COVID-19 this weekend. Cordero was first diagnosed with COVID-19 in late March, and his wife, Amanda Klutz, has been documenting his struggles the whole time. In May, she wrote on Instagram that since being hospitalized on March 30th, Cordero, who had no pre-existing conditions, had gone through a heart infection, two mini strokes, dialysis, an amputation of his right leg, and a host of issues with his lungs. Cordero, who was nominated for a Tony in 2014 for his role in Bullets Over Broadway, was only 41. He and Amanda have a one-year-old son named Elvis. Well, that is... That is really tragic. I have been watching this story like sort of since he was first hospitalized because it's such a such a big deal that he having like no other health issues was hospitalized for this long that COVID hit him this hard. Yeah, I feel like I've been seeing that more and more on Twitter where people are talking about when they've been hit by COVID-19 and it's been lasting for months, not just like the two weeks that pe- other pe- that some people have been experiencing. And I think that's just, you know, people really need to be careful for all those young people who are like, you know, my body will bounce back. It's like, oh, we don't know enough about this to know if it will. It could be one of those cases that hits you like this. Right. I mean, oh my God, I saw a horrifying picture the other week of a COVID-19 damaged lung. Mm. <sighs> Kids, don't play around with this. It will mess you up. Yeah, we just don't know what what it's going to look like. And so you get COVID-19 now. What does your body look like in 20 years? How are your lungs functioning, you know? Right. 
I also know you are not my doctor, so I'm not asking you those questions. I'm just thank putting you for it clarifying. out there. <laughs> I, thank you. I appreciate it. I was really starting to, I was about to type into Google how fix COVID. And uh, so thank you for sparing me of that, Casey. Also, this is wild. Uber just agreed to pay $2.65 billion to buy the delivery app Postmates. So earlier this month, Uber, which already has its own delivery service called Uber Eats, tried to buy Grubhub, which also owns Seamless, but that deal went down in flames. So today's announcement won't mean much for your apps right away. The deal still has to be approved by regulators. But Uber is hoping the deal adds a boost to its business prospects since its main service, underpaying people to drive other people around, has been hit hard by the lockdowns across the country. I This consolidation makes sense business-wise, I guess, question mark, since, I mean, all of these apps are trying to compete for the same people trying to get their Big Mac. But on the other hand, I feel for the workers who are probably going to get the bum end of this deal. 100%. And I mean, it's, it's like tough in, in March or in April when people were like, really, you shouldn't be going to grocery stores limited. And it was like, okay, I, I'm going to do these delivery services before I found out like how much it's hurting drivers, workers, and people at restaurants. But, and so I used to be like, okay, which is the lesser of two evils, Uber Eats or Postmates? And now I'm like, okay, it's owned all by one. It's all the same. Yep. I don't know. We'll yep. see. And fun fact, uh, DoorDash also owns Caviar and Seamless and Grubhub are the same. So we're seeing just all of them are basically going to become one giant food co-delivery app where you press a button and it brings you your food and people die probably. I don't know. Oh, gosh. It's a fun Monday, Casey. It's a fun <laughs> Monday. When we come back, we've got the Washington Post William Wan with us to talk about how the drug overdose epidemic and the coronavirus pandemic are interwoven. Stick around. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill somebody. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant, picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability. When he got a hold of their neck, that was it. I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. How many times did you bring the camera to one the river? Time. Just one time. One time. He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go to the woods. She was just, to all of us, kind of strange. You know how he feels about prostitutes? Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. 
A custom radio ad from iHeart Ad Builder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Welcome back. As we've been focused on the coronavirus pandemic in these past few months, another health crisis has been on the rise and affecting Americans at an alarming rate, drug overdoses. Here with us today to discuss what he calls that hidden epidemic within the coronavirus pandemic is William Wan, National Correspondent for Health and Science at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us today, William. Thanks for having me. So first up, let's talk numbers. We're seeing a spike in overdoses nationally. Just how bad is this increase? Yeah, the tricky thing about overdoses is there's no definitive numbers. It's kind of infuriating. We may not have definitive numbers on what's happening now for five to six months. So what we did is we um, pulled together a bunch of data that was collected from ambulance teams, hospitals, police, and those show a really concerning trend. Um, They had dispatch calls jumping uh, like 18% in March and then 29% in April and 42% in May. So not just the rise in overdoses overall, but an acceleration in, in these calls for overdoses around the country. And those percentages, those are compared to this time last year, right? Yeah, exactly. Oof. So some of these year-over-year rates are incredibly high. Just to be clear, are these all fatal overdoses? No, no. These are for just overdoses as a whole. But one thing that's very concerning to a lot of um, health officials uh, in these different counties and states is that, you know, with the social distancing, with isolation, people are taking these drugs um, mostly on their own more and more. And so with that comes like less of a chance to resuscitate. You don't have like friends around who can administer Narcan, this, you know, the um, antidote to overdoses that can save so many lives. Um, So that's like a major concern. We don't have numbers on deaths yet. And when those come out, the worry is those are just going to be as bad. So you mentioned the fact that, you know, people are shooting up alone more often, et cetera, as part of the reasons for the spike. Are all the other reasons that we're seeing also related to the coronavirus? And how is this pandemic that we're all living through affecting the epidemic that's been going on, like you said, for over a decade? It's hard to tell. I think it, it because you're going, just looking at numbers from county to county, some counties show like the numbers were trending up already before the coronavirus. Others show like a really sharp increase as the shutdown started happening. And so I think one thing a lot of the coroners we talked to mentioned is it's people doing, you know, more people doing drugs in isolation, less likely to be able to be resuscitated. Another is just disruptions to the drug trade that make people are driving people toward like more unfamiliar substances. But one key thing is just this economic devastation. You have so much unemployment. Um, in past, we've seen in past recessions, that has been like a big reason why you have an increase in substance use and overdoses. And what about treatment centers? Are they still open like normal during lockdown? Or I mean, I would assume they're considered an essential service, but the entire medical industry is kind of tossed up in the air right now. Yeah, I talked to some, um, you know, people who work with with those using drugs, and it's just incredibly hard because you need, on some of these cases for treatment, you need to go to a clinic like every week just to get your Um, you know, dose of methadone or buprenorphine or all of these treatments. And so 
these treatment centers, they're shut, they were shut down early on. They've been slowly reopening, but they have not been given kind of the PPE. They haven't been given any of these kind of essential, you know, supplies they need. Plus the funding is just crazy. Some of them were, have already shut down and others were telling me how close they are to just financial collapse because the, um, the, our drug treatment kind of infrastructure in the country is really shoddy to begin with. But you add on to that, they aren't getting the reimbursement from insurance or from Medicaid, Medicare that they used to because they can't give the services they, they need to. And so it's kind of this cycle where just as they're needed most when these overdoses are increasing, they're kind of like on the brink of failure for a lot of them. Clearly, there are a lot of things that we are doing as a society to drive down COVID cases that are actually making the drug overdose problem worse. So how can we combat this problem while also focusing on eliminating coronavirus? Is it possible? That's like actually what I'm working on this week. I, <laughs> I think one thing that just can't, it's the elephant in the room is just funding. Like it, it was so underfunded to begin with before the pandemic. They've passed like 2.5 trillion, I think, at this point from Congress, less than two hundredth of one percent. So, like 0.02 of one percent has been devoted to mental health and and um, substance abuse. It's just kind of like puzzling because the whole the whole kind of argument that a lot of conservatives have made is that they point to, well, you're going to have this rise in suicides, you're going to have rise in overdose deaths. This is why we need to reopen the economy. And yet we as a society have put so little money into, we know this problem is coming and we've put so little into dealing with it. So that's that's key. Um, but the other is just distributing these kind of antidote medicines. It would go a long ways, Narcan and Noxalone. So right now, is anything being done at the state and federal level, or is it just like there's less funding and nothing's really being done about it right now? I think it depends state by state. If you look at some states, they're really, they're aware of the problem. They're trying to wrestle with it. But you have other states like Texas, Florida, Arizona, where, I mean, they're, the house is on fire with this coronavirus. They need to like, it's all hands on deck. That's all they can really deal with. And so there's some frustration. Like I talked to the the head of all federal research for kind of opioid substance abuse. She was just kind of spelling out her frustrations that like we as a society, we have to multitask. We have to be able to do, you know, like in regular times, we have to do this too, right? Like there are many crises at once, but especially in a coronavirus pandemic, like there's other ways that people are dying and we have to address those as well. Definitely. Well, William, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that was intense. Now, though, it's time for Meanwhile on the Internet. And Casey, today we're talking about a truly epic viral tweet. Case, straight mm-hmm. up, I don't like your intonation on that. I, I feel like something's coming. I know you. I know you by now. Some, I don't like this, but continue, my friend. Yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right, <laughs> and you will you will understand why that was actually a terrible pun in just a second. First, take a listen to this sound. Okay, now listen to this one and see if you can hear the difference. Ah, yeah, you hear that? Did you hear the difference? Did you get it? 
I did hear the difference, but what's going on? I don't understand. I don't understand birds. What's happening? <laughs> okay, so it turns out those are actually the same kind of bird, Casey. They are the same bird, the white-throated sparrow. And their calls have been changing rapidly thanks to a group of them out in Western Canada. Ornithologists, which is science speak for bird nerds, have been tracking this change over the last 20 years. And normally the sort of change up stays local where, you know, a bird will come up with a catchy new tune and it stays like really hip and local and indie. But this one went mainstream, Casey. That's why this is so got me so hyped right now. And it's spread all the way east out to Ontario and beyond. Do you get it now, though? Viral tweet. Hayes, it's it's literally Monday. It, it is. is Monday. <laughs> and this is what you're hitting me with this pun? Oh yes, my god. I am. Now, see, but now I'm just scared for what's going to what's going to come by Friday. That's what I'm scared <laughs> Look, we for. We had three we had 3 days off. I had a lot of time to think about this, Casey, and this is what you get. So I I I just really think this is really neat and cool that these birds are teaching other birds their new this new version of their song with like, "Oh, I get this hip new groove and the okay, so wait, along. So it's not just so it's not just in Canada anymore then. No, it's spreading. It is spread to the soon will be in the United States because apparently these birds uh migrate from western Canada down to southern US states and over the years more and more birds have picked it up. So soon the old song will just be out. It'll be outdated, out of touch. It'll be like picking up a song from the 80s that no one really remembers <laughs> and putting on your record player. Like, what is this? And you have that one dude who's like, "Oh, you don't know this song?" And He's the worst. Yeah, it'll be like that, but with birds. I love it. (laughs) That's it for today, people. Join us tomorrow for an interview with actress and comedian Jenny Slate. You'll want to come through for that one. And remember, after today, it will be illegal to talk about Kanye 2020. You have been warned. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. 
Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've always had the feeling that there's something strange about reality. According to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, there is. On the show, hosts Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick examine neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and much more. Prosthetics are true testaments to not only human craftsmanship and ingenuity, but also to the plasticity of the human brain. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo.